This is a Hoff Studios podcast. You know, I think so many people who are listening to this podcast or who have come on certainly talk about the transformation around motherhood. And mm. I find that your transformation around love is very similar mm. because we are changed by love. And sometimes yeah. sometimes it takes a baby's love, like that deep, intense right. um, oxytocin rush, yeah. right? And sometimes it takes a man, you know, your beloved right now that you're experiencing this heart opening moment. And I, what I love in the reading is just that, like, there's space for the pain. There's space for the discomfort. And I think that, like, you know, when we talk about the, the transition from, <clears throat> you know, definitely being single to being in relationship or, you know, not having children to having children, we're sort of fed this, this fairy tale idea that like it'll soothe all your sorrows. Um, for me, it's brought them all to the surface so I can just have <laughs> a quick look, see what's still hanging there. Um, and I, th I think that that's great. It's showing what's not love in me. It's like where, what if I had a suitcase of Alexandra and I opened it, Love comes in and it's like, oh, that's not love. That's not love. Oh, what's hiding under there? Oh, that's not love. And so that's what love does in my being, you know? And it's, I don't know if everyone experiences it like that. And I think some people have different avenues for healing and for wounds, right? So because I had relational wounds as a child and attachment wounds and da-da-da-da-da, I'm having curriculum in that like soul curriculum in that area mm. I do think we all have it to a certain degree but some of us if you experience certain things in your childhood that really imprinted that you're not lovable mm. um, or you're not worthy of love then you're gonna get scooped and, and and shucked and plucked in order to find those places because on the surface people like me or you we may be like yeah of course I'm lovable I've done all the things I know I am but like deep inside you there the are still senses yeah exactly in the subconscious or the unconscious depending what you want to call it um and I find that for me my my relationship calls those things forward <laughs> like babe I don't need to take any you know, uh, psychedelic drugs because you are that. You just call wow. for things for me, um, which can be really confronting. But we're both deep. We're both devoted to this path. So if we say we're like lawyers and like we just kind of like tended to this on the weekends or at night or something, it'd probably be different. But we both work in healing and transformation. So we're always sort of in the mindset of, awareness around what's happening why am I feeling this emotion why did I just say that thing to you was I projecting onto you mm. why do I feel uncomfortable in my body right now you know why am I reaching for a third cookie like mm -hmm. all of this stuff we're we're in a constant awareness of in our home and so it makes it more intense it's kind of like being in a retreat setting all the time wow but then we're like okay now it's time to, to drink some mezcal and like watch Westworld. <laughs> I might be silly. You you were the first person I know who have has ever done like plant medicine. And I had wanted to, it was actually around the time when we were working together doing The Coming and the Curious. I, I became pregnant with Ness. And yeah. you, um, 
And you started with your ayahuasca journey. Is that, is that right? Around that time, right? About five I years ago? Oh, so. yeah. Exactly. Six I, years I, ago. Six years ago. Yeah. And I remember when, well, you know, had, we... I've done it before, but that's when I got in with the group and I just started doing it consistently. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you... So just for the people who might not know what um, ayahuasca is, would you walk us through what that experience yeah. is like? And I haven't... I haven't sat with that plant medicine um in 2020 21 and two years and change mm. so i wouldn't call myself like kind of an up-to-date on the on the path right now just because i'm like really like my healing right now is feeling really important to be in the relational space but yeah. i did do a lot of that eyes closed on my own self-investigation for years mm -hmm. i'm just right now i'm like okay now it's time to like be in relationship doing the healing and it's like it's a bit of a transition not that both can't coexist but i will i just want to preface for everybody just listening that um when Thanks, with any tradition or any um modality if you have not been practicing it for a few years you're probably not the best person to be talking about it <laughs> but i can talk about my experiences in the past yeah. in a sense yeah. but you won't feel that you won't feel it alive in me as much and the thing about ayahuasca is that when you're doing when you're sitting with that medicine consistently i think you feel it very alive in the people like you can it's almost like the 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 vine and the leaf from the Amazon become a part of that person's essence. Mm. So I don't feel that anymore because it's been like two years and change, which mm -hmm. is interesting because when it's there, you really feel like I can really feel it. It's like she's with me. The spirit is with me. Mm -hmm. But it's intense because it also, for me, it made me want to keep doing more and more and more and more. It was like not because of an addictive thing at all because it was not, it's not like, wasn't like a fun experience for me but because it's like almost like you're in a practice wow and I think a lot of people stay in that practice or like are like yes I got to stay within this tradition and and I decided like to take a step back so um and into other spaces but mm. I I had some profound healing experiences with ayahuasca with peyote with psilocybin mm. um with sassafras can I can I tell you or explain to you what healed what and what did what? No. But the can thing I is you did you? that. Yeah. You know, I, I sat I sat with um psilocybin recently and the sort of shaman, he wouldn't call himself a shaman, but he was he really explained you know, to us right? that like healer or facilitator healer, practitioner. He was a musician actually. Um he did yeah. a sound bath. Face holder. And, space holder so he was just saying like it's not the medicine that's doing the work for you it's not the medicine that's healing you it's your consciousness going in to your unconsciousness and saying hey what's up babe what's up my lovey what's going on that's making you so itchy let's let's take off the wool if it's if it's uncomfortable what's making you what's making you right. cry what's making what's holding you back from living your best Mm. most full most love-filled life and that's you doing the work but I, from what i understand about you know ayahuasca is that it, it brings up a lot of the shadow work similar to what you were saying about the relational field of love you know 
and it happens with, you know, I, I've been, you know, most recently interviewing a lot of mothers and it happens a lot when a baby comes into, you know, the picture and the baby loves you. The baby oh, yeah. loves you so much. And that amount of love and acceptance of who you are can all of a sudden bring to the surface the disgust you have with yourself, the, yeah. the rejection of self, the eh, my cellulite, eh, my my bullshit, all the programming that is not love because yeah. you're faced with absolute Exactly. It's a, I imagine it's a very similar thing but even probably more intense because like the unconditional love turned towards you like a bright light you know that illuminates your own darkness like that's profound we don't get that very often I think so to have a baby who has that is just so good it's so good yeah. I was sitting with my friend's baby two weeks ago and I just was she was just laying on my chest I did not have this feeling in that short period of time of like illuminating my darkness I just felt like I was resting with love and I was just so I just felt so happy to be close to her I was like oh my god you were telling me that she had like a really like bad cold and you were just like whatever let's I just care I, I totally got it but it was I felt the field of love just like her body was love like just being close to her um and that was over a short period of time. So I could see how when you're tired, when you're cranky, when you're not at your best and there's this thing just beaming love at you, that that would get uncomfortable, you know? I mean, um, but we see it in with adults, right? We see it with our our beloveds. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah, so the thing different. About them is that they've also got their darkness. And so ah. it's like... It's a little, I think it's a little less confronting. It's confronting because sort of your trigger triggers their trigger. And then there's like kind of usually some sort of mirroring wounds or a way that our wounds kind of dance with each other, reveal each other's wounds or weaknesses. Uh, where that's different, I think, than a, than a child that's just holding unconditional love towards you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that, so... You know, that experience of cuddling with a baby, and you're like, wow, you are so close to the source. Yeah. Because they are, right? Like, they just got here. Brand spanking new. They also got here from love itself. Yeah. From sex, you know? And it's so funny that, like, we have even... You know, even in our conversation, me and you, ju- even just there were tinges of like, oh, like that's not, ho- you know, that's not fucking, right? Mm. Like, holy fuck creates that love bundle. Like, that's the thing. That conscious loving is what makes life itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all this shame we have around sexuality it is so perverse Where it did- is it's because it's like the, the church and the religions are trying to be the guardians of god because if they can guard your sex and put shame into your sex and make your sex less your own then they can guard and and be the sort of arbitrators of life coming in or not and inside mm. your own mind you know 
So it's like if the religion colonizes your mind, then they know that you're that you're not experiencing sex as your own transcendental act of opening to God. You know, it's it's now been colonized by shame and that's control. And it's fucked up. <laughs> and like we came from those religions, you know, and like I do think that there's there are changes and there are people that are stepping up as clergy in different religious spaces. Will the Bible get a rewrite? I don't know. Will the Torah get a rewrite? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> right. <on. laughs> but we get to take those voices out of our own heads and our children's heads and create a new narrative around sexuality being holy and loving being holy, you know, being yeah. an act of, of prayer, you know, an act of love. When you work with women around their embodiment, because I know that you are a transformational coach, right? Do you? Yeah, that's one of the things that I do. Yeah, but you're writing a book too, right? Yeah, and I write. Like, I think I'm a writer and an artist at heart, but I make, to to make the, the monies. And because I love working with people, um, I would say. I love to yeah. be held in space with you. I, I, you. I'm a member of Radical Awakenings and your your membership, and I just find... I just find your container, you do have a very healthy masculine, you know, yeah. like you really do know how to hold a space together. Yeah. And then invite the wild. Yeah. And even over Zoom, man. Thank you. I know it's really a skill and I think that part of it, like I can be really strict about structure and creating a really solid space because I know that in order to for people to really open and cry and share their hearts and wail and like <gasps> that they've got to feel really held you know otherwise we don't really let go if we don't feel held we're like kind of like in a space being like mm, do I even want to be on this zoom maybe I want to look at my phone you know yeah. so that but if someone is there and they're like Daniela like lay down close your eyes put your phone aside you know like it's different. And I'm the same. Like, I love I love a nice tight structure to hold mm -hmm. me. <laughs> but, yeah, I love, I love working with women. And I've been working with women since about that time from transitioning to being a full-time actress and filmmaker. And it happened really organically that I started kind of, like, coaching some people. And then some people were like, you should do this for money. And then I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I went really slowly and then started leading retreats as well. And then I did trainings along the way. And um, and now I'm going to enter grad school and study mm. depth psychology. And so I'll be taking a slightly different route, but more building upon what I've done since I've practiced in the spiritual and artistic space for 20 years. And I've been on my own transformational journey for that whole time as well. So I coach a lot of women in that space, how to come out of your head, into your body, heal around your sexuality, learn to speak up, use your voice in the world, share your gifts with the world, also softening the heart around loving. So I look at them in my book as kind of like feminine core wounds that we have mm, around feeling safe and good in our body and not judging our body, not hating our bodies. Um feeling safe and good in our sexuality and like we can express it like we know it um also feeling comfortable to speak up to be seen to be heard to feel worthy of that taking up space in the world not worrying if it were good enough or we're too much so i think of those as like the throat 
and the full body and like the womb and the pussy. I don't use that word so much anymore, but there aren't, you know, vulva is, I think, a, a word that feels a bit more me nowadays. But mm. um, because I think a lot of us, you know, women were indoctrinated into the same beliefs around our bodies. We're not pretty enough. We're fat. We should be ashamed of ourselves around our sexuality, our sexual desires. Like, we don't know if we're worthy of being seen or heard really fully. Um, and are we worthy of love? So I, I look at those as like, almost like you could take your temperature on any of those things I just said. And you could go, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how comfortable am I being seen, being heard, speaking up in the world? Mm. sharing an email, sharing a post online, you know, like speaking at a dinner, making a toast or whatever, not just public speaking, but it's like taking up space. And you could do that the same thing around your heart. Like, you know, what is it like? Am I, am I available to have a soft, tender, vulnerable heart with others? How often do I expose that part of myself? Like, on a scale of one to 10, the same with my sexuality. Like mm. how often am I able to express my sexuality without shame or without guilt or without fear? How close am I to my sexual kind of uh, desires and who I am there? And the same with the body. Am I still in negative self-talk around my body? Am I still looking at my body with disgust? None of that is like to feel bad about yourself. It's just to take a litmus test. Like to feel into where you are in your journey. And right. the journey is not linear because you may do all this healing around self-acceptance around your body and on and on and then you have um, a bit of a relapse at some point where something happens, I don't know, COVID, you gain some weight, you have a baby, whatever, you find yourself really... So it's not like, oh, I'm just checking these healing things off. No, it's you said like, they're core wounds, core Core, sure. right? So they're like they're constantly being served at us. This is a yes. real thing. They're it. They were, yeah. they were swimming in it. Yeah. And also, we were taught it at a very young age when our like yeah. whole brain was forming. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can just take take a pill and wish it away. Like no, this is something we we dance with. Exactly. You're gonna every be in day relationship with it. Yeah. And I think like when when we get things that we want, you know, like when we are in love, when we do yeah. have the baby, when we do get the book deal, when we ha when we when we like climb and achieve and then we meet our greatness, actually, again, every time there's a light shined at us at like how beautiful and brilliant we are, we get to see just like you were saying in the, you know, the luggage of Alexandra, we get to see like, oops, that's not that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Yeah, I get to see all the wounds I get to see so often when we when I talk to women who, um, you know, just had a baby or when we talk about postpartum, all that the wounds around the way I look and my worthiness in the world, like taking three months away from my work somehow is so scary Yeah, it, it, it really is so scary because we don't always know that there's going to be. Yeah. An audience when we get back or, you know, for me, the auditions when when I get back. Right. Right? I don't know that there's a safe place to land. And that's 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 in like the. Yeah, that's in the, the manifest. That's a real gr like. Yeah. Brass tax reality. And it's it's on the inside, too. It's something exactly. we are constantly working through. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of obsession and um, I, I can probably say we've both 
taking part in it. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, get rid of these these pain points inside of ourselves. And I think as we mature, we have the realization, okay, okay, this is what I got. This is what I came in with. This is what I got indoctrinated into. How do I now dance with this? How do I function well? How do I thrive? How do I still feel the sadness of what's there and not pretend it's not there? Like if I enter into a, a wave of sexual shame or body shame, like how can I be with that and not be like so angry about it and beating myself up because it's happening, right? But allow myself to breathe into it and feel into it. I think as we mature, we begin to, to to have a bit of a more nuanced perspective of this, which is a little bit what I wrote about in my post today. It's like, it's not like, oh, I got love or I got the baby and everything's going to be great. It's like, oh, I, I got love and I got the baby and I got the, the audition or whatever. And there's still loss in life. There's still sadness. There's still depression. There's still, there's still uncertainty. And none of that is going to go away. And I think there's some of this new age kind of ideology that that proclaims that if you do ABC, you meditate, you do a mantra, you eat clean, it's going to go away. But I just think that's a crock of shit. I think that it's not going to go away. Your relationship to it is simply going to change. But depression, sadness, anxiety, fear, doubt, uncertainty, all that's still going to come and visit. Hmm. You just get to decide how you relate to it. Right. I mean, I think we're talking about humanness. Like yeah, really just human. being yeah. a freaking human on, <laughs> on this earth. That if we can just hold the truth for what it is, which is a lot of different things. And in your Life's post, you- paradox, yeah. It's beautiful and it's terrifying. For all of us, particularly, and you speak to people in, like, in female identifying bodies often yeah. about our cycles, that we are yeah. inherently cyclical. Cyclical. We die every month spiritually. Like, we're going through something. We're called down into the unconscious every month if we allow it. If not, it's working really hard to not. We're, because... There are these different cycles that would call us into like a flowering and feeling so alive and juicy and amazing and on top of the world. And then ones that call us into, ooh, I've been lying to myself about this. I've been avoiding this. I've been pretending over here. And we have the, the inherent spiritual teacher of a menstrual cycle every month. It's what a technology? It's a medicine journey. It is, but it's the medicine is is our body. It's like it's it's it, every month we're we're pulled down, 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 down into our own underworld. And if we can sit in there and have courage, we usually see something more clearly when we come out the other side. But it's uncomfortable. But I always feel a clarity after I have a good bleed. Mm. Mm -hmm. I've learned something about myself. Ooh, I was really like. Pretending like I didn't care about this one need or this one thing or this one dream. Convincing myself. But when I sat in the bathtub and I cried and I listened to music and I laid in bed and I took a nap and I just felt the pain of what was happening, I was I heard something, you know, that I couldn't hear because I was too busy. I was too in the upper world, like in the, in, in the light of day. 
I just want to just drop that wisdom, you know, I just want to, I just want to drop the wisdom that there is so much on the other side of that bleed. Mm. That we just don't know. Right. It, it's a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't bleed, you can create your own cycles. You know, you can decide. You can work with the larger cycles of the seasons. You can work with the lunar cycles. You can still create moments of quiet, moments of respite, moments where you do become more internal, where you do deepen, where you change your schedule, your diet, your exercise, so that you can have more of an internal journey. And so I say that to women who have worked with me who no longer bleed. You mm. can, st And I actually had a few women create a time in their calendar for their cycle because they hadn't had it for a while mm -hmm. and start to essentially celebrate like a week of bleeding every month even though they weren't actually bleeding and do that. certain things. And a few of them started bleeding again by that. giving themselves the space. I know that you're in the process of writing uh, your second book now. If you could just let us know what a little bit is about and then where we can find you for more of your mm. wisdom and your juiciness and your tender, tender heart, I would be so Thank grateful. You. Well, the book is about love and it's about the journey of opening the heart. So opening the heart after it's been hurt, after it's been shut down, after it's been protected, armored. And that doesn't have to be necessarily heartbreak. It can be living in the world and feeling too open and exposed, but it can be heartbreak. It can be loss of someone you love. It can be death. It can be more spiritual or metaphorical. But the journey of really opening the heart, being vulnerable, softening our heart, even as we're really strong women, super capable, but how do we stay, stay soft and in our heart? So that, that book is going to include memoirs and poems and all kinds of different stories, which is really fun. Um, more stories in my first book and stay tuned for that. And I also work with women one-on-one -on -one in coaching and mentorship containers. And so I do have space for women who are wanting to do work that I spoke of today, really to come deeper into your body, to feel more close to your expression and your emotions, your sexuality, um, and your spiritual journey. So it's all integrated and woven together. And that's a part of me. It's not just around spirituality or just around sexuality or just mm. around emotion, because for me, they don't exist without the other. Um, so I work, I work with women all over the world on Zoom, and sometimes people come and do in-person retreats with me. I have um, a retreat in August at Kripalu, Massachusetts, Kripalu Yoga Center, August 10th to 14th with a dear friend of mine, Moon de Simone. Mm. So that'll be really lovely if you want to come see what working with us is all about. It's going to be a really gorgeous experience. And I'm also on Instagram at Alexandra Roxo. My first book's called Fuck Like a Goddess. Heal yourself, reclaim your voice, stand in your power. You can get it anywhere books are sold. And my podcast, Holy Fuck, is um, on all podcast platforms as well. 